This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Welcome to the Internet and Radio Ministry of the Christian Crusaders. Are you searching for some joy in your life? Stay with us as we begin a new sermon series from the first letter of John entitled, Deeper. If you're looking for some joy in your life, I want to encourage you to stay with us today as we begin a new sermon series from the first letter of John entitled, Deeper. We begin in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let's pray. Gracious God, we humbly approach your throne of grace today, asking that you would speak your life-giving word into our lives so that we might know you and serve you faithfully. In the name of Jesus we ask this. Amen. Our reading for today is from the first letter of John. It's near the end of the Bible. Chapter 1, beginning at verse 1. We declare to you what was from the beginning, what we have heard, what we have seen with our eyes, what we have looked at and touched with our hands concerning the word of life. This life was revealed, and we have seen it, and testify to it, and declare to you the eternal life that was with the Father and was revealed to us. We declare to you what we have seen and heard, so that you also may have fellowship with us. And truly, our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. We are writing these things so that our joy may be complete. Dear friends, I have an important personal question for you today. How would you describe your faith life? Would you describe it as strong, deep, intimate, filled with joy? You see, along the way in my own ministry, I have come across people who wistfully say things like, I wish I had a deeper walk or a deeper well to draw from that never runs dry. I wish I had a sense of God really with me, powering me, leading me, guiding me. I wish I had a deeper joy and enthusiasm and confidence. That's exactly what the Apostle John wants to assist you and me in having as we read his letter and act upon it. John, you know, had the privilege of walking with Jesus down those dusty roads of Galilee for three years. Those three years he observed and learned, and Jesus impacted his life in some amazing ways. You will recall he was a rather rough-and-tumble character, along with his brother, uh, James. They were called the Sons of Thunder. That was their nickname. They were rather boisterous. They looked out for themselves, and trying to climb the ladder of success and power was at the top of their agenda. 
They got angered to the point of wanting to destroy, destroy people who wouldn't receive their friend Jesus. That was, was John. Now that is gone. He doesn't sound anything like that in this letter. He's a changed, loving, confident servant of Christ. And we find him anxious to pass along some very important truths that can change our lives. And we're going to examine this letter for the next few weekends. John's purpose is for his readers to have and hang on to something that he's been enjoying for so many years, a new eternal kind of life with Jesus, a God-filled life that brings a person joy. In fact, John is so anxious to make his point with us that he skips the formalities you would normally find in a New Testament letter. This letter's opening has no dear so-and-so grace and peace to you or introduction of himself as a servant of Christ like Paul oftentimes did. There's none of that. John cuts right to the chase. He begins with a proclamation. He calls these opening statements just as he writes, we testify and proclaim to you. Who is this we? John means himself along with the other apostles of Jesus and first generation Christian witnesses of Jesus. Now, when someone issues a proclamation, he's saying, hey, this is an important announcement. Listen up. This is important. Take it in and act upon it. So what's the proclamation? It's all about Jesus. Look at this proclamation's opening words. He says, that which was from the beginning. This takes us back, doesn't it, to the Gospel of John. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, full of grace and truth. John is describing the pre-existence of Christ, that Jesus was there in the beginning. He's the Son of God. He says that he was made manifest, revealed to us, as he launches into his personal testimony about life with Jesus. He said that beginning, the life was made manifest. He revealed him. He revealed God, John says. He says, I have heard him. I've walked with him in person, listened to him say, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. I have seen him with my own eyes, gazed upon him, thought about him, marveled at him as I saw him feed 5,000 with five loaves and two fishes, or calm a storm on the sea, or raise his friend Lazarus back to life. With my own eyes, I saw Jesus resurrected after his death upon a cross, and I have touched him. I've leaned on him at the, like at the Last Supper in the upper room. I remember his hand upon my shoulder uh, as he would encourage me. He's not made up. He's not an illusion. He's not an apparition of some sort. He's for real, John is saying. And he's using basically some court language that was used in ancient days. It's like he's swearing out a deposition. This is not just a bunch of charming tales about Jesus, John says. I'm an eyewitness. And I'm testifying to the truth of Jesus. He really existed, and he really did all that you've heard about him. And this experience has impacted and changed my life, John is saying with this deposition. You see, these words he's using are in the present tense, which is meaning there was a past action, but it continues to have results uh, in his life. He said, I took 
this all in, and my head is still spinning with wonder and ecstasy as I think about him. Tim Keller, a wonderful preacher, writes, When a great big truck goes over a tiny little bridge, sometimes there's a bridge quake. And when a big man goes over thin ice, there's an ice quake. And whenever Jesus Christ comes down into a person's life, there is a life quake. Everything is reordered, changed. John had a life quake. What I want you to understand and believe, John is saying, is that Jesus is life. Real life. For living in an intimate, personal relationship with God the Father, he can give you a whole new God-filled life, an abundant life, like Jesus said. So, stick with Jesus. You see, John's writing to second and third generation Christians who hadn't had the experience of living for three years with Jesus, seeing and hearing and touching him as John did. Now it's later in history. Doubts and questions about Jesus apparently were starting to creep into their minds, and Pastor John is nudging them back to sticking with the good news of Jesus Christ. And there are some very profound, life-changing truths being promoted in this little opening proclamation that John doesn't want anyone to miss out on. The first thing he wants to make sure we know is that Jesus is for real. He who was in the beginning, the Son of God, has entered our world to rescue and save us. He is God in the flesh made manifest. We saw him, we touched him, we saw him die and rise again, John testifies. I came across this Christmas illustration that was given to uh, children and their parents by Pastor John Piper that explains what Christmas is, and I thought I'd share it with you. It goes like this. Kids, suppose you and your mom get separated in the grocery store and you start to get scared and panic and don't know which way to go. And you run to the end of an aisle and just before you start to cry, you see a shadow on the floor at the end of the aisle that looks just like your mom. It makes you happy and you feel hopeful. But which is better, the happiness of seeing the shadow or having your mom step around the corner and it's really her. That's the way it is when Jesus came to be our Savior. That's what Christmas is. Christmas is the replacement of shadows with the real thing. Christmas really happened, John is saying. The miracles, the teachings, the crucifixion and resurrection really happened. Jesus is the real thing to be taken seriously. We are also informed by John that salvation is by grace and grace alone. Notice that Jesus is referred to in this little section as the word of life. And he also says Jesus is 
eternal life. Not that Jesus points us to eternal life like other religions might, but Jesus himself is eternal life. He is salvation itself. He is God's gift of salvation to the world. God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Jesus is a gift of salvation. So to unite with Jesus in faith is to receive eternal life. Not just heaven, but a new life, an abundant life beyond worldly imagination in the here and the now. And it's something that we cannot produce on our own. It has to be a gift. We can't make this happen on our own by trying to live a good life to get God's approval in some way. We must let go of those old notions. It's a new day. Jesus has come. Salvation is a gift that is ours when we connect with Jesus, when we humbly ask him in to take over our lives, to be our Savior and our Lord and our friend. And I know it sounds simple and ordinary and odd, but as John is pointing out to us today, it's the truth. Salvation is by grace, shown us in Jesus Christ. Which leads us, third point of this third truth of this passage, that leads us to having a deep, close, personal fellowship with the Son and God the Father. Listen to John again. That which we have seen and heard we proclaim to you so that you too may have fellowship with us, and our fellowship indeed is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. What's he saying there? He's saying you can have the same fellowship with the Father and the Son that we who have seen and touched him have been enjoying. You can come to know him personally as your friend like we have. You can share in his life with us. You too can see that he is God in real life form, that he, he reveals to us the Father. As you read the Gospels, you are able to see his beauty like we did and wisdom and power and goodness and love and brilliance and his compassion, showing us the Father in all that he says and does. And you too can experience him right along with us as you draw near to, you can experience him drawing near to you as you draw near to him in prayer. What a great thing God has provided for us, amen? He has gone to infinite lengths to make this deep, intimate relationship with him possible for the likes of you and me. What amazing love and grace. And John testifies, you know, in this passage, he's going to bring about some changes in your life like he changed mine. In what way, you might wonder? Well, John also tells us about one of the ways. He says, and you can have joy. He says, we're writing these things to you so our joy may be complete. And when he's talking about our joy, he's talking about the readers as well as himself. Jesus came to bring his joy into our lives. 
In John 16, John's looking back now, I'm sure as he writes the letter, Jesus said, so you have pain now, but I'll see you again, and your hearts will rejoice, and no one will take your joy away from you. He wants to give us joy that can't be taken away. Or he says, I have told you these things, that my joy may be in you, and your joy may be complete, that your your life will be filled up with it. Jesus came to give us joy, a deep happiness that runs through us no matter what the circumstance. In fact, we probably shouldn't even call it happiness because happiness is, revolves around circumstances more. It's a deep sense of well-being that runs through us, I guess, no matter what the circumstance. Living with the assurance of the love and care of God. Author Kay Warren, uh, who experienced the tragedy of uh, one of her sons uh, committing suicide, writes in her book, Uh, called Choose Joy Because Happiness Isn't Enough, that she used to think that joy was feeling good all the time. But as you know, that's impossible. And it also doesn't jibe with Scripture, she says. So she concludes. She says, here's my conclusion, the scriptural definition of joy. She says, joy is the settled assurance that God is in control of all the details in my life. It's the quiet confidence that eventually everything is going to be all right and the determined choice to praise God in every situation. Life is not easy, but Kay Warren, a friend of Jesus, has that Jesus joy that's been carrying her these days. He'll carry you too. Don't you find it fascinating that the great Christian author and apologist C.S. Lewis entitled the autobiography of his spiritual journey, Surprised by Joy? I invite you to read it. He, He moved from being an atheist to an agnostic to being a Christian. And he says, and he was surprised by joy. John says, we have that joy of fellowship with God already in our daily living as he talks about himself. But he says, our joy will not be complete until you have the same joy and fellowship with God that we do. Something I've noticed along the way in ministry is that there's such joy in the church when the church is in the business of leading others to Jesus Christ, sharing the good news, stepping out for Jesus, and then observing lives getting changed in wonderful ways by the Savior. That's the old pastor's aim in this letter. John testifies, I'm writing this because I want you to have what I have. I want you to share in that with me. Salvation, fellowship with God and the Son, deeper joy. Why would John want that so badly for us? Because as an obedient servant, he knew that's the life God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit wants us to have. And he saw himself as responsible to share it. That's why God sent his son into our world to sacrifice his life on a cross for us and raised him up again so that we might have that kind of new life in Christ, eternal life and a relationship with him. That's why he sent his Holy Spirit on Pentecost so that we might be one with him. And as we unite our lives with his and live with him through the word and the community of faith, he changes us in new and wonderful ways and we get Jesus' joy. And I'm here to tell you, it's yours for the receiving. To 
to all who receive him, who ask them into their lives, he gives the power to become the children of God. Scripture says he is available, just like the Christmas carol says, how silently, how silently the wondrous gift is given. So God imparts to human hearts the blessings of his heaven. No ear may hear his coming, but in this world of sin, where meek souls will receive him still, the dear Christ enters in. That's the good news. Joy is available to you today. Turn to Jesus. He's knocking on the door of your life right now. Won't you trust him and invite him in? You will be glad you did. Amen. Would you bow your heads and pray with me? Father, we thank you for the joy-filled life that you offer us through Jesus. May all people come to faith in him and discover the joy that you want every person to have. And help us to keep our eyes on him every day until that great day when we shall see him face to face. Amen. Now, as you go on your way, may Christ go with you. May he go before you to show you the way, behind you to encourage you, beside you to befriend you, above you to watch over, and within you to give you his peace. Amen. You have been worshiping with the Internet and Radio Ministry of the Christian Crusaders. We pray today's message encourages you to ask him into your heart and discover a new joyful life in Christ. Christian Crusaders is a nonprofit ministry dependent upon gifts from our listening audience. Estate gifts, large and small, have become a significant part of this ministry and enable us to enlarge our broadcast area. We now broadcast over 26 radio stations in 11 states, shortwave in Europe and on the Internet at ChristianCrusaders.org. For information on how to include Christian Crusaders in your will, contact our office at 1-888-693-2484. We thank all those who support this ministry with their prayers and gifts. Christian Crusaders is also available to be heard anytime on the Internet. Our homepage features today's message and includes a link to previous messages as well. Visit us online at www.christiancrusaders.org. We're happy you chose to worship with us this day, and we pray you will join us again next Sunday on this station. Conducting our service was our speaker, the Reverend Steve Kramer, Senior Pastor of Shepherd of the Valley Lutheran Church in Afton, Minnesota, and Radio Pastor on Christian Crusaders now in its 83rd year of continuous Sunday worship broadcasting.